All right, welcome to the Dark Side of Therapy. This is Eric Nance, and I'm very excited tonight because this is truly a Dark Side episode because I've got a friend here tonight who's gonna tell a story about going to therapy, and I love going to therapy stories, but I get kind of tired of the ones that are always about success and how well things went. I wanna talk about the dark side of when things don't go so well. And when maybe when we look back, we think, huh, what could I have said? What could I have done? Because I think those stories don't make it to the press very often. So Deb, I, I appreciate you being on with me tonight. Truly an honor to have you here and to display some vulnerability with me. It's just awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me. I am excited to be here with you. We're gonna have some fun. I mean, we could talk about uh, the dark side and have fun, right? We, we totally get Well, we, we play. You know, that's, that's what we do. And in mental health work, we don't play nearly enough. But a podcast is a great way to let the fun come out, do some play, to sort of offset the dark stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to play. And I'm going to make my usual probably smart-ass comments at times. And if it gets to be too much, you just tell me to pipe down, okay? I will tell you to pipe down <laughs> if you need to. <laughs> All right, Jeb. I, 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 I need that. So when you went and saw the trauma therapist that we talked about initially, what was your reason for going? What drew you or, or brought you to that therapist? Yeah. I want to start there. Thank you so much. Uh, I think if I'm being real with the audience, uh, what actually brought me there was probably a two o'clock in the morning email that I wrote after probably having consumed some adult beverages. And I realized that I really needed to see somebody like I was really in trouble. And so I actually got on one of those sites where you look for the therapist and I typed in all these little symptoms and I, somebody came up and I was like, okay, you know, I don't know this person. They're out of town. This is a good thing. Um, and so I actually sent an email probably at this time, it's about three in the morning and said, I think I might need some help. And of course, you know that okay. I got to call the right away the next morning when someone sends you a message at three o'clock a.m. And I'm right. not sure how good my spelling was. <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> but so that's actually so I, I sort of had this thing in the back of my mind that maybe I had this thing called PTSD because, of course, so many people had mm. said to me, you know, I think you might have PTSD. Of right. everybody diagnoses us, right? Like, of oh, no, I think do. you have this wrong with you. I've looked it up on the internet. Um, but I, yeah. I just, and, and I did probably at some intuitive level know that that's probably what was going on. I wasn't really sure. Uh, but at that point, I was, I was so desperate to get help. And I think that in, in an interesting way, I think I probably consumed those beverages knowing I, I was getting a little liquid courage up. Because I knew that I needed to go to therapy, but I was afraid. And I was sort of afraid to acknowledge that maybe I need some help. I'm a pretty high-functioning, high-performing person and was holding it all together, you know. And um, so that's really what got me there was this message in the morning at 3 a.m. Shame. Shame, I'm guessing, played into why you waited so long and maybe why you, you got yourself <laughs> ready to call. <laughs> Shame, fear, I mean, shame, fear, doubt, uh, yeah, what will yeah. people think of me? I mean, all the below the line, any any word we could probably come up with, right? We could probably Absolutely. name them all. I and, and I tend to think there's there's almost like a crossover we make when we go to therapy. I told you, I'm in therapy too. I have no shame in admitting that. I think every therapist should be. But when you, when you do it for the first time, I remember thinking, this is true vulnerability, and it's like you, 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 you can't go back from that. Once you go in there and, and say the things you say, that's it. And, and it's equally terrifying and kind of liberating at the same time. 
Was it liberating for you to go in and sit with this person? I was terrified. I, right. I, will, I will never forget. I, I pulled into the parking lot and I sat in my car for quite some time. And I, it was like, I was, you know, I was fidgeting. I was, I was like, I, I sometimes think that longest walk is getting from the car door into the office door. And I was terrified. I am quite certain I was pale as a ghost. Um, yeah. And then when I actually walked up to the counter and explained, you know, who I was. And then of course they proceeded to give me about 20 pages of paperwork to fill out. So I'm in this waiting room, right. With other people and I'm filling this. And of course, the more that I'm filling this out and they have all the check boxes on things, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I am really a mess. I am. And, and I literally, the shame, the, there's something wrong with me. I'm not okay. I was just literally, I was digging myself into the hellhole even more, just sitting there. And, and then of course, you know, other people are coming in for their appointments. Well, clearly it wasn't their first one. They were just waiting for someone and they looked a little happier than I probably looked in the moment. And I'm thinking to myself, Oh my gosh, what am I doing here? I want to leave. And I, I mean, telling you, it took everything I had to not get up and run out the door because wow. I was terrified is a good word. I was absolutely terrified because at some subconscious level, I had made a decision that I know I need to get better. But on the conscious piece, I am absolutely terrified of what I'm going to talk about because I am about to come face to face with some pretty nasty demons in my life and actually come to grips and face this horrible trauma that had happened. And so it's like right. all these things are going, all this stuff is happening at the same time. I'm happy that I'm there because I know I'm going to get better. I'm terrified because I have to do all this stuff. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Like, and, and it's like, this is like PTSD times 10 sitting in the lobby, right? I'm <laughs> kidding. And then the therapist comes out to introduce, the, ther the therapist makes an introduction and right. says, and I, so I, of course, think we're going to the room. And it, instead it was, okay, well, I need to look through this paperwork. <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, you don't uh -huh. get me back there or like, oh, I am walking out. This I did not say that to this person, but I, that's what I felt in my inside. That's what I felt like. Oh, and absolutely. I just, and I just kept thinking, what am I doing here? I mean, I knew what I was doing there, but there was this piece of me that was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And um, so... Fortunately, I I did stick it out, and of course, you know, then then the the real journey begins. But that I we talk that parking lot walk. You know, there is something about that. It it can be really a challenge. That's you know, I I I don't know if we talked about that we were going to talk about that tonight, but that's an unwritten story about going into your therapy. Is it is a long walk, and and the closer you get, you're right. And I'm I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking you you thought a lot of this out though. You're you're. A lot of clients, I don't think, think about what they're going to have to do. And you're very much thinking about what I have to do confronting the, the demons, which I think is wonderful. At the same time, terrifying, because you're, you're, you're facing it before you face it. Yeah. Um, I don't think everybody can do that. Well, um, and thus maybe, though, part of my, like, let's stop and think about for a moment this PTSD thing. You know, you've got this, mm -hmm. this hyper-focus, hyper-vigilance. I've got all this stuff going on. My brain is going a million miles an hour all, all the time. And right. there's definitely what's fascinating to me about this is somehow I had to make up these like there was like the rational side of things where I would try to control what was going on there. Right. Um, but then there's the the minute that the heart piece comes in. Right. Then it's really confusing because it's like emotions. What are you kidding me? I have to talk about an emotion. I think in my head I knew that was going to happen. But when a person actually has to start talking about an emotion, it's like. 
what is this thing? I've been avoiding these things for a very, very long time. Well, I don't have to worry about you being honest tonight because uh, <laughs> you are, and I like it because, I, you see, here, here's how you know when somebody's being honest, when you don't have to think about what they say, mm. when it's just self-evident and you have that quality tonight. And so for the people that are listening, thinking about going to therapy, but especially the young therapist, that's why your story is so important because I, I just get so tired of, again, the stories of success and, and the stories of what works but we rarely talk about the fear building up to the process. And that needs to be something that we say because a lot of people, Deb, they get to the parking lot, they don't get much further because you're right, they, they start thinking about what they have to do. So again, that's a whole series right there too. I won't go off on well, that. Well, and, and actually, uh, if I may, I would also love to name that we're may. doing so much stuff online now and it can even be somebody showing up in the online room. And one thing yes. that I have found is that if we can really get some of that barrier out of the way, like name, okay, this is, you know, you may experience this, you may not experience this, like we don't want to put any judgment around. It's not good, bad, right, wrong. It just, it can be. And one thing I have right. really learned about in this journey is sort of in a sense, almost normalizing some of it. Everybody's experience is different, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that even research driven is going to show us there are certain things that, the bottom line is how many people just drove in the parking lot and jumped out and said, here I am, bring it on. I'm ready to rock and roll. I, I think the majority I know, I know. of us were like, what of the H-E double toothpicks am I doing here? And and I like, I know I need to do this, but like, I don't really know what I'm really getting myself into. Like we kind of do, oh, but you know, yeah. anyway. I know, Deb, I have to say one, one final thing, because when I, when I went to see my, my therapist for the first time, I was in the waiting room and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm one of you. <laughs> it's like you've, you've, you've become what you treat for a living, oh and that's sobering, well, um, but I think you can draw a lot from that. Yeah, and what do we make up yeah. about that? Like, this is my whole thing. Oh, is, so what are we really making up about that? It's sort of like the doctor that goes to see a doctor and says, well, you know, I'm a doctor too. It's like, mm-hmm, and right now... Guess who's the patient, my friend? Exactly. And, and and being okay with that. Like, and I'm, by the way, I'm 100% on board with you. If you, whether you're in the therapy business, the coaching business, any of these things, right? Absolutely essential that you have got somebody that you are working with and processing with and debriefing with. And of course, we'll get more into that too. But, um, oh my God, no, we I, have a I, lot to talk about, don't we? I, 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 I know. And and uh, like I said, I, I can go off on a thousand tangents, but out of respect for you, I'll try to keep this somewhat organized. <laughs> so you, you meet your therapist for the first time in your session, Deb. You're sitting there. What was that like? Tell us what that was like. You know, I almost wanted to wear this gray sweatshirt to this interview, except that it poofs down my hair and I don't like that. So um, I literally had this gray sweatshirt. Um, I would put the hood over my head. Uh, the first time I went, I was kind of sitting in a little couch thing. And I literally, if I could describe being wrapped up in my own little ball, that's exactly what I was, literally. Mm. And I... Was I was terrified. I was afraid. I was, I just was so, I was not in control. And I don't like yeah. not being in control. And right. it, at that, now I'm okay with letting it roll. But uh, at the time, that at was the, the time. one little thing. This My safety net was this perceived mm. control, right? Well, what I realized is that I've got to figure out how I'm going to maintain my control in here. Well, the only thing I can think about is I'm going to huddle myself in this little ball and hide, right? I'm going to get feel safe in my little ball. 
I think I wore that sweatshirt and hooded myself for three months, maybe four even, um, before I think one day I finally was like, okay, the hood's coming off. Like I, you know, and of course we could talk metaphorically about that. We get, there's so much we could get into on that, but that's right, not really right, the right, point right, of right, today. Right. But um, I was scared. I didn't even know what to expect. Then of course it's the first session, right? So let's talk intake. So I'm coming in here. I've made myself completely vulnerable. I've got all these things going on. What's your name? What's your date of birth? Mm -hmm. What's your date? And I'm thinking to myself, yeah. are you kidding me? I emailed yeah. you at three in the morning. I am like not okay right now. You know, I mean, there's this like, right? It's like this thing of I've got to protect, but I'm not okay. I mean, it was just this, the, the internal struggle is so, was so real, so real. And so, yeah, that's what I felt like. Okay. Terrified, hiding, scared, not safe. Um, and I have this philosophy about if people don't feel safe, they can't heal. And yeah. so I'm really hoping yeah. that the individuals who are watching this, one of my biggest things is how do we create a safe environment so that when people do come in, they feel safe? Because I do believe that's like one of the biggest first steps in healing is feeling safe. How can we heal if we don't feel safe? Yeah. And <laughs> sorry, well, you've seen my office. I have all kinds of toys and crap in there. It's pretty easy to feel safe in my office. And safe is relative. I get that. What's safe for one person may not be safe for the other, but fun is a great way to stay safe. Everybody resonates with fun. Very few people say, uh, don't, don't give me that. If we give them permission, of course, because as adults, we forget to play. But I've been into a lot of sterile offices that are not inviting, and I think you're exactly right, because I've been told that. Um, I like your toys. <laughs> I, li I like that I can see Optimus Prime or Tigger or whatever I have up there. Be because they are reminders of, of gentleness. Yeah. And, and so again, I think, I think you're exactly right. But we don't teach that. We, we don't teach that very effectively. Yeah. My, my yeah. Um, let's call it my safety marker, was there was actually this particular therapist had a window and there was this tree. And I would look out and one day there was people by the tree and I was remember thinking, um, the therapist said something to the effect of like, well, what do you want? Like, I'm like, I have no idea what I want. Like, I can't even function right now. And I said, no, I want that. I want what's on the other side of the window. I want mm -hmm. to be able to play in the grass and have a picnic and not be worried that somebody's coming up behind me. And I actually ended up writing a song called The Other Side of the Window. And it, from wow. that experience that that's what I what I could see is that I want what's on the other side of the window. I have no idea how to get there, but that's what I want. And that's why I showed up. And that's why I'm willing to do the work. But man, I need some help. Like I am looking to this person sitting across from me saying, I don't know where to start. I know I want to start and I'm scared to death right now. But I know I know it's like that. I know I need help. I want to get yeah. better. I want to see that place. But geez, help me, please. Help me, please. And what I've learned, you know, what you and I've talked about is when a person is just getting started as a therapist, that could almost be kind of scary for the therapist or a little intimidating because all of a sudden it's like, oh, my gosh, I've got a huge responsibility here. I've got a huge this. This person's really counting on me like this is the big this is real stuff. This is not the textbook anymore. So in this particular case, Deb, so we're absolutely clear, this was a newer therapist, newer therapist still under supervision. At what point was that disclosed to you? Because everybody does it a little bit differently. But uh, how quickly did, did you know that? I wish I could pinpoint the exact. I did not know it right away. Let's put it that way. I did not okay. know it right away. Okay. I yeah. would, uh, if I calendared it 
let's just say four or five months maybe before. Really? And I will also say if it had been disclosed to me prior, there, there could be, of course, a possibility. I just wasn't getting it. I could have been in that, right? I mean, I was there for PTSD. Who knows what was really going on in the moment? Right. right and right. I will also say that it definitely wasn't up front. I mean, there, no question. It was definitely not up front. Uh, and, and, you know, now looking back, actually, I, I wrote something down in preparation for this where I think now I could have maybe gotten a clue was about three or four months into it when I continually was disassociating and almost every single week, yep, um, yep. the the therapist came back one week and said, we need to slow it down, which is of course what I had been saying. I kept saying like, you're moving too fast. I can't, okay, you're like moving too fast. You wanna do all this stuff and like, I, I'm not, okay, clearly when a person disassociates for 45 minutes of a 45 minute session, there's a problem. Um, yes, and so, that it it now looking back it's like oh you know what i bet happened i bet therapist went to talk to supervisor and supervisor said you're moving too fast you need to slow it down so but nothing was said that way i think i start now looking back that's probably but that was three that was already three months into everything i mean i would i right. literally would show up oh and in you know, of course pay for the session that i would sit there and stare at the wall or something you know I'm I'm being a little bit exaggerating, not that I understand. Much. Not that, that much yeah. though. I mean, this is very, yeah. very real for me. Absolutely. Um I I totally forgot that. Maybe we did talk about that detail of what wasn't disclosed, but in in, in my brain, and you don't have to agree with me, that's probably not okay because you sort of need to know the skill level on some level of what you're working with. And if you are a newbie under supervision, I know I've always disclosed that and I've had my supervisees disclose it because I think that's how you avoid problems like some of the ones we're gonna talk about is I may not be you know, ready for this or, or trained in a certain way because then it starts making me think that did that do you some harm? And I don't know if it did, but I'm gonna ask it for the benefit of the audience and the new clinicians out there. You know, do you feel like this was harmful to you? I think there were moments in the therapy that were harmful. I'll give you two concrete examples. Um, okay. One is I'd had a particularly difficult session. I mean, it was some disassociation. It was just some, it was just some icky process. It just, it was a tough session. Tough, sure. It was just a tough session, right? It was a tough session, yeah. And when I left, um, one of the things that I finally had uh, worked out with the uh, therapist, we actually kind of had a little phrase that we would say at the end of each session, a little thing that we would do with the hands. And I actually put it on a little red bracelet that I wore for a time period with a PTSD identifier. And uh, one interesting thing was when I left, I mean, I clearly was not okay. Okay. When I left this session, very clearly not okay. The phrase wasn't said, the thing wasn't done. I mean, literally I practically ran out of that office. Well, I knew I shouldn't drive like some, at some level I knew I shouldn't drive. So I actually started walking down this path. Well, next thing I know, like it's getting dark and I am like, I mean, I was completely just out there. And uh, by the time I got back, I want to say it had been about four hours. I, I don't know. But the place was closed. There's nobody else around. My car's in this parking lot. So anyway, I, you know, I get in my car and I, I drove home. Well, the next week I said, you know, I'm just sort of curious. Um, do you did you give any thought to the fact that maybe when you left, my car was still there? I mean, you know. Well, yeah, you know, after thinking about it, I was thinking maybe I should have checked in. And in fact, I find out that the secretary had actually said, 
why is Deb's car still here? It's whatever time. And, and what therapist said to me was, well, we had a little bit of a rough session today. I'm sure it'll be fine. Well, so the fact that the secretary said something, I mean, that to me is like, hello, hello, hello. Um, yeah. I was not okay. In fact, yeah. I'm pretty sure multiple times on that pathway, I definitely had suicidal thoughts. I mean, there's not, I'm just, I, I'm sure that I had suicidal okay. thoughts. So yeah. no, that was not okay. I was not safe. I should never. So we actually though, because I brought it up, this is what's interesting, because I brought it up, I said, yep. I think we need to design a better alliance around <laughs> if this happens again, what is something else we can do? We designed an alliance around if we have a tough processing session again, they had an empty room where I would be able to go and do some mindful awareness, whatever, until I felt that I was okay to be able to, um, you know, then get on my way, if you will, and, and that there would be, I could check in with somebody or whatever. So I find it fascinating. Like, what if I hadn't asked for that? What if I hadn't asked the question? So this is where my capacity just as an individual and as a person, I'm a pretty high functioning person. But yeah. when a person has a mental, you know, PTSD is a stress disorder, right? Like it's not like a, it's it's different than some of the things in the, in the book. Um, Absolutely. And what I also know is that uh, when I was in active PTSD, when I was actively exhibiting PTSD symptoms, I was not how I am right now, right? Like I could go zero to 100 just like this. And it's like, right, who am right, I talking right. to? So that's one example um, of where I feel like inexperience probably got in the way of making sure patient was safe. Um, the second thing is that they're on definitely two, and I'm almost thinking there were three, um, two occasions where I just felt that the care was not good to the point where I actually called two friends who are therapists and I said, I just need to check this out with you. Is this me experiencing something from my PTSD? So my lens that I'm seeing this through is actually a piece of my stress disorder or is this bad care? Well, of course, as any, probably a lot of professionals do, well, you know, I'm not there. I'm not, you know, they try to, there. and at the same time, one of them said, you know, these are the questions I would ask. This is very interesting. Like I could tell that without saying, and we have now since had conversations where they have shared with me that they, yes, they were concerned about that. Um, right, however, right, right. what they were trying to do is give me questions for me to empower myself in my own care. Now, here's the fascinating thing. I could uh -huh. sit here yeah. now and make the argument, did that actually help me empower myself even more mm. in my own care? Okay, now I could say yes. At that time, I don't think I was well enough to be able to even see that piece. I was not well at that time. I, I genuinely needed some strong care, right? Um, the fascinating thing is that when I had read the information, my interpretation of what was presented was that the individual had a lot more background or expertise than I believe was what was really going on. That's a, that's a, something I think we all need to be aware of. Like sometimes in our effort to market ourselves or get ourselves out there, we want to really be aware of those things, especially when we're dealing with whether it's trauma or like bipolar behavior disorders, these things are big deal things. And you bet they are. somebody can present as a very well put together person. And yet 
when we have something going on, I mean, like I needed help, like I really needed help. Um, so those, so when I say, you know, do I think that there were some potential, those are some concrete examples of, yeah, I feel that there are a couple wow. of times that I, w I, I would say concerned about my own safety. Um, and, you know, looking back on it now, of course, I'm okay. Of course, I grew through it. Um, because quite frankly, I have a very good, strong support system. Yes, and right. one of the things actually that the therapist had me, the uh, fr my therapist friend had me do was actually put together a list of uh, like a support circle of people and said, put together the support circle of people because this, this processing is just going to keep going. Like this, this stuff is not going to, it's, it's going to take some time. That's another thing too, is just being very clear oh. about how much time you know, therapy for dealing with trauma is not usually three months. No, no, and, no. Grief therapy isn't even that quick. So, so there's that, there's that piece also. And I, I think that was really, really important. And, you know, one thing that I, I think one of those sessions, I I just really had this sort of like, I call it this come to Jesus moment, but I realized I have got to, I knew I wanted to get better and I was so motivated to get better. I kind of started doing my own whatever. And I got to show this to you, Eric. I, I think, I think I share with you, my Daring Greatly book with all my sticky notes. After wow. one of, Yeah. After one of these sessions, I was... I'm going to be kind of, angry. I was kind of upset actually. And I was like, okay, I'm paying this person and, and, and I'm not, I, I need, uh, this is not, I need to get better at what, what I need or something. Oh, by the way, notice how I kept putting it on myself. Somehow yeah. I'm yes. not being a good patient. I need to get better at the, somehow I'm doing yes. something wrong. You better say something before we get to, I, that's a big point, isn't it? Well, can I, <laughs> I, I don't want to cut you off because I love what you're saying, but Deb, I, I just presented on this down in Minneapolis, and I said, you know how we usually delegate cases in this field? We say, who has an opening? And, and boy, is your story exemplary of that, because you don't look into the talent, the experience so often, or, or even fit. Not that we can absolutely know fit, but so often it's like, well, give them to the newbie. And you see exactly what we're talking about here. And I want, I want to make this point, too, and I want to make it very strongly. It is not the client's job to come to the therapist and say, structure this a certain way. I don't think that's okay. I really don't. And, you know, Deb, we had a body language expert, Mark Bowden, on a few months back yeah. talking about, and it just, it goes back to my whole theory there, too, which is you need to be able to read what the client is saying outside of their words, and I'm wondering, in this case, this person probably had no training in that. I didn't either, but I've since uh, gotten a lot better. But if you can't read the client on that level, that's a whole piece of communication that we miss, we don't talk about. So as you're telling your story, I'm thinking, was there any attention given to your presentation and, and how you were? Not what you said, but how you were. I think at one point... Um, my, probably my little hooded sweatshirt thing might've gotten mm -hmm. sort of just like, well, I noticed you're in your sweatshirt, you know, I mean, kind of more, but, um, yeah. I, I think part of it and, and I might be making this up too much in my mind, but I think part of it is that, that insecurity or, or the not knowing of if a person doesn't have that confidence or, or that experience, I could potentially mm -hmm. see where it's like, okay. I can obviously see that there's something going on. I'm not really sure what to say. You know, I, I don't know because I'm yeah. I'm truly I'm speculating. I really am. I'm making absolutely that up. Um, sure. 
Sure, sure. What's interesting though, this is okay. So this is so this Daring Greatly, this is kind of actually brings kind of ties into this a little bit. It's, it's so, a great book. I love it too. I yeah. uh, I walk in to my session and I said, okay, clearly we're not making movement or we're not getting to eyes of some proverbial where we're supposed to be. And I said, so I got this book and here's what I did. I started marking up the book with the things that are making sense to me. And I started, I mean, so like, you know, here's one I, I my sticky is vulnerability, truth, courage. And I marked the page and I literally went in there like, this is what it's like to live in my body right now. And I started, wow. you know, whatever, like, um, anyway, as you can see, this thing is full. Well, this this that is a, a lot marked of, up this, book. This yeah. was a lot of sessions, um, but it was yeah, almost right. like if I'm being candid, it was almost if I saw a relief come over the therapist in that. Okay, now we've got some direction. We've got somewhere to go, and and I find that fascinating. Um, given I think I told you, uh, when not yet here, but when you, <laughs> when I. I, it was like literally in session one that he it, uh, the therapist takes out the book and starts reading about PTSD is blah, 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 blah. And then, yeah, okay, so yeah, what we're going to yeah. do is we're going to do this whatever kind of processing and, and literally starts reading this, like, I mean, I'm telling you, I am sitting there in my little, you know, like this. And this is getting yep. read to me. And it was like as if I were, you know, listening to one of those late night radio things that's supposed to make you go to sleep. And I, I remember... Um, every once in a while, the therapist would say something to the effect of, you know, does this make sense? Or are you getting, I'm like, and I'm just like, yeah. like, okay. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what I thought therapy was going to be, but this was definitely not what I thought it was. I mean, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And right. so I, I, so I wrote down, um, that one of the biggest things that I think is so important is building the trust and the relationship with the client. So when we finally get the slow it down, that's when that actually really started happening. And so here's the good thing. I do, we, even though we're on the dark side, I do want no, to no, no. a good piece of this, right? Keep going. Is yeah. that oh, yeah. as we, um, one good thing is as we started slowing it down and started building the trust, guess what happened? I could start talking about my trauma. I could start processing the trauma and all of a sudden, I did look forward to going to my sessions because I was making progress. So even though the start was so rocky and it was rocky for a long time, at some point there was a switch that flipped and it did start working. And in fact, I have a lot of respect for this, There's this therapist now because actually the therapist said, you know, I learned more from working with you than I think I learned in all of my school. Like, because in essence, I was a teacher too, right? Like yeah, I was yeah, sort of right because I had the ability or capability. Here's what I will also say. One of the biggest questions I get is why didn't you quit going to that therapist and go somewhere else? Oh, great question. Probably because I'm a people pleaser and probably because somehow I was worried that I would hurt that person's feeling. Okay. So given my trauma, like yep. this is a big deal. We need absolutely. to, we got to talk about this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And again, that's a topic I think also that doesn't come up very often. And, and the, the, the client guilt thing and the blame that you're talking about. Um, yeah, I just there's so many topics here we could parse out and, and talk about for hours. But a lot of people tell me when they come to see me, they'll say, 
or they quit their other therapist, I say, well, did you talk to them? No, because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Be because again, this is about me. And it's like, no, 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 no. So please tell me if I'm not doing my job because I want it. But again, Deb, it's a safety thing, like you said. And to me, when a client doesn't tell their therapist what they think, that is indicative of a not safe environment, but also, again, compounded with lack of trust. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th I think you are nailing everything that we need to say tonight. Yeah, the trust piece uh, is so huge. And I, yeah. I actually had written that down, is that um, when we look at building trust, and may I add, so there's a distinct, like, when we think about trust, there's how is the client trusting him or, you know, him or her? How are they trusting themselves? And then how is that actually then impacting trust of the therapist? So right. I look at, like, for me, the PTSD, um, one of the things was that I had this horrible thing around, you know, did I do something wrong? What did I, you know, they're okay, right? So somehow, can I trust myself to be blah, 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 right? So if yeah. I'm already in that state, then how on earth can I even look at trusting someone else? Or what if I'm trusting that person more than myself? So even though my intuition is telling me one thing, I'm not necessarily responding with that. And so I think uh, whether we're in the therapy profession or the coaching profession, being very aware of that is so essential. I agree. It's not, it's not the client's job to do our job, right? Like this is the whole thing. And um and boy, that's yeah. a whole nother, you know, conversation. And by the way, can well, we just add, yeah. this is one more reason why therapists have their own therapists and coaches should have their own coach, yep. right? Because that's where we can yeah. actually process out. So we get rid of our own garbage and we get rid of our own stuff. So we're not bringing our stuff I to the client. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, that's a whole other, you're, you're going to have to come back every month back. until the year is over. Well, you, you, you definitely have the invite. You, you got you got me thinking though about, um, I, I had a friend uh, that I worked with a few years back. We've, we're still good friends, but we don't work together anymore. She said, you know, there are so many ways to get trained in therapy. You know, right now the hot ones are EMDR, DBT. And she said, Eric, you know, if you get trained to the highest level in some of these, you're going to pay up to like four, five, six thousand $6,000 for all this. And, and I started to think, Deb, and challenge me on this if you want to. We've really taken what we talked about a minute ago, which is the trust and the foundation of the relationship. I think we've replaced that with technique and strategy. I think we start selling the technique to clinicians as if that's gonna be the, the, the end all be all when every research study out there confirms the relationship is the number one correlate to success. And I, I just find it really ironic that what gets again uh, perpetuated out there is you got to know your DBT, you got to know your EMDR. And I sometimes wonder if that's not a substitute for therapy weakness. Did I just say that out loud? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, you did. So, and I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll even, I'll build on that a little bit. Um, I think that this also has to do with that we are human beings, not human doings. And I think one thing that happens when we get focused on the EMDR, DBT, prolonged exposure, any, any of the things, right, um, that that is the doing, right? And if we build the trust in how we are being with or in relationship with the client and we have that down first, it actually makes the other things so much more like just excellent. Uh, I, I'd love to add, I, end, I did end up 
going to another therapist at some point in this. And I, I was actually right. able to do EMDR with that therapist. And I'll never forget, uh, I, I walked into the room and and the therapist was going to like start doing this EMDR like right away. Like literally, I've been there for 20 minutes. Oh, no. Yeah, like, right. And, and I was like, and, and the, they're getting a the little light things going. And, 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 I was, uh -huh. and I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, we're yeah. going to do EMDR. I go, I don't even know you. <laughs> I, go, I don't even know you get me out of this office right now and and, wow. and and the therapist was like okay okay I'm sorry you know and I'm like I don't even know who you are I don't know what you stand for I said you're asking me to trust you with this thing that's buzzing lights back and forth this is yeah. not a concert and I am not on show like I was just like oh my gosh anyway but here's the good news this particular therapist said you know what you are so right I am so sorry put the thing away and said, let's use our next few sessions to get to know each other because I do think the EMDR can work for you. So we spent the next few sessions actually getting to know each other. And this awesome. therapist was wonderful. I mean, wonderful, wonderful. I This is where the, the so much of my healing came from. And I actually found I couldn't do the lights. We did the fingers back and forth the, because the, the light was too yep, much yep. for me. Yep, yep that yep, it was yep, activating yep, stuff. And... Um, Anyway, it actually ended up being beautiful. And once again, though, I'm just laughing because here it's exactly what you're talking about. Like right to the yeah. doing without the being. I'm like, no, no, no. I need to I love that. So so the good news is that therapist also listened to me. Right. And and it. said yes. and, and by the way, this therapist later shared with me that um, he was afraid that I wasn't going to come back. Like he thought that after that and and he said, why did you choose to trust the process? And I said, I just, by the way you were willing to put that aside and listen to me, I knew that mm -hmm. we could create an alliance that would work for us. And I knew I could trust the process with you. And I said, the bottom line is I had to put my trust in someone because remember now I'm still not okay. Right. right. And right. I was so right. desperate to get well. I was so desperate. Eric, if you knew how desperate I was to get well, You've probably seen clients like this before, but I was so desperate to get well, so desperate. I was so in need of healing. I was miserable. I was so tired of pacing my hallway every night because I couldn't sleep and the nightmares and the interning thought like it was, it was horrible. It was just horrible, horrible. And I mean, I was really willing to do about anything to get better, including I, I, take my own life. Like I was at that point, like I was absolutely right. And so we have a huge responsibility. Like this is the bottom line. If somebody's coming in your office, this is a huge responsibility. And I think sometimes we don't always take it seriously enough. I think you're right. And um, for every new therapist out there, listen to what Deb has to say, because you're not going to get this in a college classroom very often, or probably even if you're at your agency, because again, it's, we don't want to talk about it. And we, we so need to. Um, your, your honesty tonight has been, and this is exactly what I wanted, was just to have a completely honest and open dialogue. And um, it's just been awesome. I, I know we're about 45 minutes in, but I've gotten so much out of tonight. And the fact that you very unprompted just came in and really bared your soul, uh, it means the world to what we do here. So I just, Deb, I want to thank you so much. Thank you for having um, me. This has been awesome. Hey, by the way, I, I'm kind of noticing I might have taken control of the conversation. I might still have to work to. on that. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I, well, I believe a good interview takes care of itself. So, no. Um, 
that's what's supposed to happen because it's it's your story tonight. We we agreed tonight was your story. Um, you know, I'm I'm just the field guide and. Um, What I walk away with tonight, I'll sort of do a summary like we're in a session. The big takeaway for me is that people need to listen and and they need to observe. I mean, observation's huge. But also, again, that you're right. Uh, What was the term you just used before uh, the the, the technique? Trust the process, human being doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, That's priceless advice. Because, again, I I I don't care how many certifications you have. It's not going to make you good at this. And in your case, again, I think it's a good example of a therapist who probably wasn't ready, ended up doing a great job, listened to you, which I give this person a lot of credit because willing to grow with you. So I have a lot of respect for that therapist, Um, unprepared or not, because they were willing to learn. And that's another, again, piece of advice we can give to the new clinicians is you've got to be willing to learn from your therapist. Figure out your blind spots because you have them. I guarantee you have them. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, that could yeah. be a whole nother show on the blind it, spots, it, right? It totally, it totally could be. Um, so let's let's definitely do it again. Um, you know, maybe late spring, summer. I would love to have you come back on, just because I enjoy talking to you so much, and it's very natural. And uh, this this was yeah, this is exactly what I wanted. And again, I think the people will benefit so much from your honesty and directness. And, and the heart and the passion you put into it. So again, Deb, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And with You're just welcome. best of luck to all those clinicians out there. Absolutely. This has been the Dark Side of Therapy with my friend Deb. If you like this episode, please like it. Please subscribe. We'd love to have you be part of our journey. Uh, have a great night. And uh, yeah, thank thank you again for all the support. And again, Deb, thank you so much. You're most welcome. Thanks for having me.